This podcast is exclusively created for men searching for greater ways to connect to their queen and children on a deeper level and build keystone habits that will impact and enhance their movement, mindset, spirit, lifestyle, business, and legacy. Fathers of the Future is about the power of true, authentic storytelling with one sole purpose, to build a better dad. My name is Luke Kayem, and I am a father of the future. Welcome back to another Fathers of the Future experience. My name is Luke Kayem, and I am a father of the future, born to lead men down a path towards personal freedom so that they may end all suffering and live a life full of fulfillment, power, and connection. Gets a little nervous to say that. I'm sitting across from somebody, the first guest we've had on this show, who is not a client, who has not done one of my programs. I, literally, I've known him for years. And in, in the, the precast story, we talked about you getting your CrossFit Level 1 certification at our gym back in 2010. Mm-hmm. And we've seen each other in the same space, but never had a true conversation and a meeting. Michael Anders, welcome to the Fathers of the Future podcast. Hey, man, I appreciate you having me. Yeah, we talked a little bit about how the universe works. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we were connected by a mutual friend a few weeks back for me to come on your show, The 20 Percenters. Mm -hmm. And I was like, cool, let's do it. And a little bit of space and time went by. And then as I started to really just push full throttle on this uh, podcast the last couple of weeks, you came back again and I started following you on Instagram and I went a little deeper and I saw, man, you, you truly do embark the qualities of what a father should be in 2019. And I for appreciate the that, man. Thank you. Yeah. Cause it's not for you. It's not just about the biceps. It's not just about <laughs> the, uh, the income right. for you. It's greater than that. Yeah, absolutely. Tell us a little bit about how you got into CrossFit, owning CrossFit PHX starting back in 2013. Mm-hmm. How did you get into both fitness and fatherhood? Well, I mean, like you, I've been in the industry for almost 20 years. Uh, I started my professional fitness journey with an internship in my hometown, Gold's Gym, simply so I wouldn't have to pay a membership while I was competing for a scholarship. Uh, I took a scholarship out of high school to the Air Force Academy, and I played there for two years. <clears throat> I transferred down to East Texas State, played two more years, uh, and finished my degree in health and human performance. Uh, spent two years as a trainer and a strength coach in Dallas. I came back to Gold's Gym after looking at the what I perceived to be the broken systems of uh, LA Fitness um, and 24-Hour Fitness. Uh, those both those experiences as a trainer once they uh, in those models my experience was once they figured out that you could sell they wanted to remove you from the floor so that you could push training for the trainers that couldn't right and now you're reliant you become reliant your income is reliant on those that can't produce well that doesn't make any sense that's like an inverse economic scenario Um, And then uh, Gold's was going through this massive shift at the peak of the market where they were being acquired by these massive holding companies. And the Dallas market was bought up by a company called TRT Holdings. And they moved from that 
wrought iron, dusty sweat box to uh, bodybuilding uh, scenario to um, the the plush lifestyle model that you see today. And now I don't even know if Golds is even a thing anymore uh, now that EOS is in the picture. But um, uh, so I got on with a brand new gym in uh, Uptown Dallas, and then I opened a gym uh, in Highland Park, uh, Chicago, Highland Park, Dallas in Dallas. Yeah. So that's, uh, Ross Perot's neighborhood. Okay. And, um, and before you get into fitness, yeah, take it a step back. Your childhood, man. Like, were you always an athlete? Were you always doing your thing? Yeah. Yeah. I've been an athlete my whole life. My parents, I got my start in gymnastics and judo and then, you know, every ball sport with the exception of basketball. And then, uh, you know, fell in love with football. Uh, and and you're still of, rolling today, right? Mm-hmm. You're, yeah, you're, I just started rolling. Mm-hmm. I just got back into it. I'm getting my ass handed to me yeah. on the regular by uh, some kids who apprentice at PHX, who I coached in high school, who've been rolling for about two years now. And uh, I got my son involved in gymnastics about a year ago. That started to get a little stale. He wasn't really, um, his attention span wasn't committed to it. So uh, we made the shift uh, to jujitsu. And, uh, I was like, well, if we're going to be here, might as well. And, uh, my, my little brother, my bigger little brother fights in the UFC. And, uh, so he's been trying to talk me into it for the longest time. And, uh, I'm, I'm really enjoying the process being that student again, because I've been the teacher for so long at this point. How much of the evolution of your own personal fitness journey mm-hmm. is replicated in the business because and the reason and how i ask this question obviously is like when we first started Mm -hmm. doing functional fitness yeah it was like you know push press and front squat and and you know jump ropes and box jump right and then you know in a few years you got into the sport i got into the personal Mm -hmm. sport of 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 crossfit sure and because of that the programming shifted Mm -hmm. now that you're in this new phase of your own fitness you know you're rolling you're looking at longevity versus mm. carrying so yeah. much weight and being so strong. Sure. Do you see that also shift in the programming of your gym? No. Um, you know, we preach the what I call the third gear philosophy, right? If you want to do this this functional fitness, high intensity thing for the long term, you don't have you it's not in your best interest to train in fifth gear every single day. You just can't recover from that. And, uh, but you, what is sustainable is third gear. You can, you can perform at a high level and do it every day. Should you choose to do so without experiencing the under recovery or the breakdown, the inability to bounce back from one workout to the next. And we're really huge on the strategy of training, right? Depending on who you are as an athlete, are you a cardio guy? Are you a strength guy? You know, are you, are you ballistic? Are you slow twitch, fast twitch, right? There's a different strategy for every single Metcon, uh, that applies to who you are as an athlete. So that's the way we approach programming, regardless of what's written on the whiteboard. It's like, okay, you're going to go balls out on these pushups because you're good at pushups, right? But you're going to take your time getting to that barbell. Or you're going to smash this barbell and then you're going to find a a sustainable pace on the row, right? And really, uh, we've created a, with respect to the market, 
an exclusive environment where we can give every single person in every single class that attention to detail. Did you learn that the hard way? No. Okay. No. So, and, and again, we have so much uh, similarities, right? Like mm -hmm. I thought doing Murph twice in one day on Memorial Day was the answer once with the vest and once without the vest. 12 hours apart and then i thought you know training to get to regionals the best thing i could do would be to like train multiple hours throughout the day sure. and eat 100 percent paleo without any carbs or mm -hmm. any sugar and i crashed my central nervous system oh like, shit i, I crashed yeah. the cns mm -hmm. and it you know i was like oh maybe that doesn't work yeah right no nah, man my my personal journey in crossfit has always been with phx at the forefront so when i opened the gym in 2013 I think I, between 2012 and 2014, I competed almost 20 times. Like I was never training because I was recovering from fucking competitions, right? But I was only competing so much so that I could put the brand out there. Um, I've been past my prime for a long time. I how, blew, how old are you now? 35. I blew out my knee uh, playing college ball. Uh, I blew it out again in the Marine Corps and uh blew two discs uh serving on active duty in afghanistan you know so like the the regional level style training that you know is so sexy to a lot of people was a physical impossibility for me you know there was there was zero sustainability in training like that um <clears throat> so <clears throat> i competed a ton that first year or so that we were open just so we could get the name out there and then uh, now I compete for the love. Like I'm not trying to win anything, you know, kind of just want to see if I could still do it. And that's like maybe once, maybe twice a year. Yeah. So we're going to flow in and out of this thing. That's, that's how we roll here. Yeah, and we're going to yeah. take it a step back. You're athlete your whole life. You play mm -hmm. high school and collegiate football. You join the Marine Corps. How many years do you serve? I was four years active and three years reserve. And then you get into CrossFit. Mm -hmm. What separates you? from other men who have also gone down that journey in the fitness space, sure. particularly now with where you've gone, because, mm -hmm. you know, I'm gonna be real, like I'm not interviewing another CrossFit box owner. Like I'm not, <laughs> there shouldn't be another one on this show for some time. Sure. There's ones that are no longer in it yeah. that, that I have a great relationship with, but the standard model of, you know, I'm an athlete and I found this sport and now yeah. I own a gym. Sure. There's definitely not you just seeing your Instagram. Mm -hmm. You're, you're reaching new levels of capacity. Yeah. What separates you and how did you kind of go down that to not just be another, let's call it meathead. Cause I was yeah. that meathead sure. for, sure. I, I still am a meathead, right? Yeah. There's, there's, I've all. I've always served a bigger picture um, from the standpoint of the fitness has just created access for me. Um, <clears throat> I trained a lot of uh, high value individuals and I use the word value as opposed to dollar uh, from the standpoint, they, they, they brought immense value to my life. I've learned as much from my clients as I could have ever taught them about fitness. And what I noticed uh, prior to the Marine Corps is that the people of influence in any sphere, any community, they're all there first thing in the morning. Like fitness is a priority and they knock it out. It's their, it's their Zen, it's their me time, whether they're training with me or whatever, you know, you just go to any gym at five o'clock in the morning and just 
ask around who's on the treadmill, who's on that bench, who's in the sauna, right? It's somebody making things happen, mm. right? <clears throat> and then when I got to active duty, you know, the when it comes to all the decision makers in your chain of command are also in the gym first thing in the morning. And if you want to, quote unquote, jump the chain of command and get your questions answered without the the red tape and the bureaucracy between you and the person that has those answers, you can do that by spotting that full bird kernel, right? And they, genu- they genuinely want to know, you know, how are things going for my Marines? And you can have an open dialogue without pissing somebody off, right? And so when I left active duty, I took, I got on with the club up here in Scottsdale and I took- at Gold's a, Gym? No, at the Village. Okay. Good. I was just, I had a guy on here, a friend of mine since high school uh-huh. and uh, I worked at the Gold's Gym in North Scottsdale. Okay. As I was learning CrossFit, mm-hmm. and you just kind of reminded me of the story that I have to share because I don't ever want to share it again. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, you know, I- uh, I got a kid on the way. We moved here from Los Angeles. Real estate's kind of shifting. I had been fitness for you know six, seven years, established myself. Yep. But I stepped out of it. Um, had to deal with uh, my mom's death, which is an, another story that I've talked about several times. But I uh, I call my buddy Colt Stevens, mm-hmm. who's running Gold's Gyms all across the Southland, and he gets me this job, and I and I start working just from ground zero, right? Mm-hmm. You know, the twelve dollar an hour fitness guy, even yeah. though I had had my own gym. And uh, my buddy Chris Lalane, Jack mm-hmm. Lalane's great nephew, the, yeah. the the fitness you know godfather, yeah, right, tells me about CrossFit, and I go into Gold's Gym, and there's nothing at this time. This mm-hmm. is 2008, yeah. and he's like, "You got to do this workout: five pull-ups, ten push-ups, fifteen air squats for 20 minutes, and watch these three videos." So, you know, there, it's not one video. It's like a video of how to do your pull-ups, a video of, uh, you know, how to do your push-ups. Right. And I go into the gym and there's no pull-up, there's no straight pull-up bar. Right. There's just the bent one that's mm-hmm. connected to the cables. Right. So I think, all right, well, I'm, I'm a smart kid. Let's grab a barbell and put it up on the squat rack, the yeah. square squat racks. Yep. And I'll do my kipping pull-ups up there. Mm-hmm. So... I knock it out. I do my 5, 10, 15. I'm warming mm-hmm. up, right? I'm getting into it. All of a sudden now, I decide to go get some water and uh, I turn around. Squat rest on. No, even worse, man. And I, I got my headphones on and I'm walking towards the water and I'm just, you know, big cocky, right? Attitude. Mm-hmm. I'm just, nothing can touch me, right? Hair's blown in the wind. Like I just a fucking <laughs> ego the size of bricks. Yeah. And, every, and I see people like staring past me, like, you know, there's something on fire. And I drink my water and I turn around. The barbell has rolled off the squat rack and broken four full-size frame mirrors. Oh, shit. This is my first week on the job, and I break an 8 by 5 by 10, 5 by 10, 5 by 10, 5 by 10. So I think a week later, they said no CrossFit. Like the sign was on the mirror. It lasted two weeks until I knew I had to get my own space. That was my journey into CrossFit. I'll never tell that story again. I don't need to. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. What, what, what was your first workout? Do you remember? Yeah. My Marines talked me into Fran mm. and they didn't tell oh. me it was fucking Fran. Um, yeah. So after college ball, I did, I got into bodybuilding competitively. I did four shows in five years uh, with a, a year in between the first two and the last two uh, to deploy. What weight? Uh, so my first show was middleweight. 189. I came in at 182. Uh, then I did a natural show at 192. 
I did a another NPC show at 196. And I did my last show IMBA at 200. And uh, um, you know, so I I can remember uh, sitting in my office and my Marines like, sir, you gotta come do this workout. I'm like, nah, if it's that CrossFit shit, I'm not interested, <laughs> man. You guys just look terrible. Not even close to interested. And they're like, no, 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 you you'll be able to rock this thing out. It's uh, it's it'll be your jam for sure. Just catering to my ego. Ninety five pounds is light. Yeah, they're like, it's only ninety five pounds, sir. You you it's all good. I was like, what can you do with ninety five pounds? Like this is what I'm this is what I'm curling in my in my training, you know. And uh, <clears throat> they're like, come on, sir. All right, fine, whatever. And uh, so we go out. Everything's outside in the Marine Corps at the base of the air traffic control tower. Um, there's there's a pull up bar outside every building. And uh, they pulled out a they pulled out a barbell, loaded some twenty fives on it. I'm like, all right, so here's the deal: it's twenty one pull ups, twenty one thrusters, fifteen, fifteen, nine, nine, and you're done. You'll crush it. I'm like, all right, but none of those silly ass kipping pull ups, you know? Like the Marine Corps was like, that's not a pull up. So I was like, that's not a pull up. So I did Fran Strict in one hundred and ten degrees in combat boots and threw up all over the place. Yeah, I was just a, a, a sopping wet mess uh, under the pull-up bar when I got done. It was, I just threw uh, up in my mouth. Ab- it was absolutely horrible. <laughs> I had no idea what I was getting myself into. But that that didn't even charge me up about CrossFit. I was like, that was just a very shitty workout. And uh, I would go on to do two more bodybuilding competitions after that. Um, but when I got home from Afghanistan, like that was the thing. CrossFit was just what everybody was doing on deployment. And I was like, I just, I don't understand it, you know, but my entire professional education is based in human performance. So I was like, I want to understand. So I went and got my level one at your gym. Uh, Jason Kalipa was the the lead trainer that weekend. And uh, when I saw the, when I saw how it was supposed to be done, like what it was meant to be versus what I had been seeing practiced. I was like, oh, I get it. The science makes sense, right? Undulating programming, keep the body guessing. Like that stuff, like nothing that CrossFit has done is new. It really isn't. They didn't invent the clean, you know, they didn't invent box jumps. They didn't invent, they didn't invent mixed modal training. Um, They perfected the package. Yeah. The branding's amazing. Yeah, you know, and they hit if, the right time. And if you look at it from a business standpoint, it's a genius model. But in terms of like the practice of CrossFit in the the history of strength and conditioning, performance training, it's not new. Um, and uh, I was like, okay, so I, I see what's supposed to be done here. Got it. And um, when I left active duty, I had every intention of going brick and mortar. And... Uh, uh, when I did my last competition in 2012, I was just burnt out. You know, I would literally, I would take care of my clients. I would touch a dumbbell here and there. And I just go home and take a nap. Like I, I was like on my way out of fitness. Like I, was, I don't know where to go from here. And a buddy of mine was like, dude, like you do everything we do in CrossFit. You just do it in phases. So you still spend time on the track. I still see you doing Oli, you know, like. You could do this thing. I was like, man, I don't know. I don't know. And uh, he's like, come on. So 
I get sucked into this workout. I was like, well, this is a good change of pace. I'm in. It was uh, 400s, power cleans, and pull-ups. I was like, all right, cool. So I start dabbling in CrossFit. And then one of my, my clients becomes an investor. And after a session one morning, she's like, hey, you ever thought about opening your space? Opening your own space? Every single day. Mm. But I'm in grad school. And she was like, how much do you think it would cost? And I, gave, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't see her teeing me up at all. I was like, I don't know. And I gave her a number. And she was like, let's sit down and have a chat. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I balked. Uh, my, one of my good friends and mentors now was also a client of mine back then. And I told him about the, the situation I was in. And uh, I tell this story a lot. But um, he was like, when was the last time? He's like, are you going to do it? I was like, man, I don't know. I got, you know, I don't know if we'll be able to juggle building a gym and going to grad school. Like, I feel like one of them is destined to fail. And he told me ever so poignantly, he's like, when was the last time somebody offered to make your dream come true? I was like, never. He's like, when do you think it's going to happen again? I was like, I don't know. He's like, you know what's awesome about being a human being? I was like, what's that? He's like, we figure it the fuck out. Yeah. And if both those things are important to you, you'll make it work. Yeah. Which everyone really isn't will fall by. It'll take care of itself. And uh, so 18 months into opening the gym, I finished my master's degree and been off to the races ever since, Yeah, you know, um, and that, but that's what I'm talking about. Like those are the people that you meet at 5 a.m. in the gym yeah. when my training buddies who were, you know, stuck in the rut of corporate fitness you know we're taking the cush 9 a.m the nooners the after work crowd the movers and shakers are up before the sun baby and that's you know i don't have the gym without that conversation never mind my investor i don't make the i don't make i don't push the red button and go without that conversation. Yeah, I'm not here today. I'm not sitting in this office. Had I not experienced the highs and lows of fitness, business, entrepreneurship, and and you, you really touched on it. It's like when we look at you know starting a business, starting a company, mm-hmm. we often think about where do we get the capital from? Well, to this day, it starts with friends, family, and clients. Mm-hmm. And there are so many clients that have you know helped me along my own journey to get to this higher level self mm-hmm. and we pay it back for sure. Right. And we, we don't just necessarily pay it back mm-hmm. with, with the same interest that they had, but it ends up working out in a collaboration mm-hmm. that we serve each other. Sure. And that's the power of, of being in this business and this yeah. industry. Mm-hmm. You've stayed in it. Yeah. And you're not going anywhere. No. As you start to look at the future of yeah. this new version of you and mm-hmm. how it relates to the business, sure, right? In the beginning at our gym, you know, it was all about fitness, yeah, just purely the basics. And then we brought in nutrition. Mm-hmm. And then from nutrition, we we brought in mobility. And mm-hmm. then it just continued to grow and it grow. Yeah. How are you bringing the mindset piece of what you're personally doing yeah. into your business? Well, it's really interesting because uh, as, as you know, you... Fitness only takes you so far, right? <clears throat> and eventually, after you develop so much rapport with a client, you know, you you get to you get permission to be honest, right? And you really get to, you know, investigate why they're really training with you. 
what really brought them in here. Yeah, you said you wanted to, you know, run a faster 40 or lose a, lose 10 pounds or, you know, change your body composition. That's all, you know, surface level stuff when it's all said and done. But why are we here? You know, who told you you weren't good enough? Uh, you know, uh, what was the significantly emotional experience that forced you to pull the trigger? Like, I want to know about that. And then once we figure out what the real reason why is, you can start developing the the key component when it comes to sustainability and longevity in any practice, and that's the mindset. And um, I'm a I'm a subscriber to uh, to the universe. That's my belief system. I believe that uh, um, the the alchemist. Uh, the rhetoric in that book is is true that the universe will conspire in your favor, and uh, if you haven't read that book, put the, it at the, the top fre- of your the list. The Fresh Prince of Bel Air got me to read that book right there. Uh, good old Will Smith. Uh, I remember listening to him on some some motivation mm-hmm. motivation music. Yeah, and, and he he you know his opening line was the uh, the alchemist and how mm-hmm. that that'll change your world. Sure, and uh, um, I started real I. I have these conversations about the universe manifestation affirmation and, and uh, attracting the things that you want into your life and uh, uh, how the, the universe operates in reciprocity. If you take that first step forward, it'll start to, to deliver for you. And I was only having this conversation, like just you and me, right? No microphones in this office. Right. And I was like, what if everybody got exposed to this conversation? Like, what would that change, right? I was, ha- you know, I'd eventually get to a level with my clients where I could have this conversation, right? And I know, ex- I know what it's done for them, right? What if I could cast a wider net? So I'm having this conversation in front of one of my interns at the gym with my buddy Jeff, who started Feed Me, Feel Me podcast with me. And after we got done rapping, my intern pulls me aside and he's like, dude, you need to start a podcast. Mm. I just learned more in 40 minutes as a fly on the wall than I have in four years of college. Like I now know what I want to do. Right. And, uh, so I looked at Jeff, Jeff looked at me. I had just been pegged to be on the Barbell Business Podcast with Mike Bledsoe and the guys. Um, and uh, Jeff had just been picked up to do a couple of uh, other podcasts in, in tech and business. And I'm uh, like, all right, cool, man. Let's let's do this thing. Our very first episode was at Sip Coffee over here in Old Town yeah. in July, uh, three years ago, with three iPhones, Facebook Live, and Misters. Like, it was just, co- it was complete trash. Yeah. And uh, But I'm so proud of that moment because of where the show has taken me. Yeah. And... Um, like now. how many episodes have you done? So we did just shy of 150 episodes Oof. of Feed Me Fuel Me, and I've got 11 episodes in the can. Episode four of the 20 Percenters podcast dropped yesterday. Tell me about the 20 Percenters now that this is your your new um, purpose, if you will. Yeah. So what's uh, it about? Yeah. So the 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 name came about based on the 80 20 rule, mm-hmm. right? 20 percent of people are responsible for 80% of production, right? And you can put that in any context. The The rule is kind of sustainable across industry, whatever. Put it in any format, it applies. And 
Um, I was wearing a black V-neck today, by the way, because of that rule, because I, I wear a fucking black V-neck every day. And I was like, dude, you got to do something different. You got to break out of the 80-20 rule and not wear the same fucking black tee with the black chucks and the, the blue jeans. So that's why I'm wearing a white shirt today, just so you All know. All good, man. All good. Uh, you know, over the course of those 150 episodes, when Jeff and I decided to uh, move away from Feed Me, Fuel Me, uh, I realized that uh, there are four things that people of impact and influence focus on, and they are health, wealth, relationships, and time. And it just shows up. The journey is different for everybody, but those four things come up all the time. Then the relationship side, uh, who did you meet? Who was your mentor? You know? who inspired you or motivated you to, to take action, right? The health thing, there's, there's like this swing in entrepreneurship where you're on the grind like Gary Vee style for so long and then you realize that your health starts to take a shit and you have to come back and start taking care of you, right? I've heard that narrative so many times. Uh, and what it ultimately comes back to you can nip that in the bud by just keeping yourself a priority right <clears throat> the wealth thing there's no uh there's no honor in being broke right especially when you come from uh come into the entrepreneur game from a place of altruism right all i want to do is help people like if i didn't have any bills i would do this shit for free well guess what you got bills I got a family, you got a family, mouths need to be fed, we need to keep a roof over our heads. I like nice shit, why don't I deserve it, right? So let's accumulate as much wealth as possible to all, not only facilitate the things I want and need, but also to cast a wider net and create a bigger impact. I think that's the more important thing. And then time, right? Like that's are one of our greatest assets. I don't think, depending on the context, I don't think it's the most important asset, but it definitely plays a role in your ability to do all of those things. And now I've got a, a mastermind community of people that are all in on each other, facilitating progress. And, you know, so that's now I've got this, this realignment where I can have this conversation with on a platform with everybody I meet and they understand the community that they're getting when they join CrossFit PHX as well. It's your authentic message. It's your purpose. It's what you do. Yeah. And it's extremely transparent. Mm -hmm. uh, there, there's no smoke and mirrors. There's no, you know, uh, hidden messages. It's just real and it comes off as real. I appreciate it, man. And, and that's why you're here, man, is, is to have this open dialogue about not only entrepreneurship and, mm -hmm. and lifestyle, and progress but about being a father yeah man tell me about that journey what what was your own childhood like mom dad who's in yeah. the picture brother sure sure so i'm i'm one of four boys the no, no, the second of four boys i've got two older sisters from uh my dad's previous a uh, couple of my dad's previous marriages so there's six of us in total we've never seen each other as half or step or anything uh so i'm number four of six um, my dad is a Vietnam vet. My mother's a Gulf War veteran. Uh, wow. Both of them Air Force. Um, and Uncle Sam uh, paved the way for their education. Um, so the the construct of my childhood, um, you know, all four boys are three palm Eagle Scouts. Um, <clears throat> uh, just 
high achievers. Like excellence was an expectation. We didn't get praise for doing what we were supposed to do. We got praise for going above and beyond and exceeding expectation. Um, and the, uh, you know, what my parents just sacrificed a ton to facilitate our success. And that is, I watched my mom do it all. She raised four boys. She has three master's degrees and served 26 years active duty in the Air Force. So like any woman that enters my life, there's already a fucking standard. (laughs) You know what I mean? So uh, when I met my wife, Nicole, she fit the bill. You know, she was a... She hooped at Wisconsin-Milwaukee. She's athletic. Fitness is a priority. She takes care of herself. She's entrepreneurially driven. Um, She has a degree in education um, and paved the way for herself as an executive assistant. And now is an executive. uh, She just launched her company as an executive concierge. Um, Brilliant, by the way. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was really funny, you know, coming back to the 20 percenters thing. We, we meet once a month. And when she was an employee, you know, she would hang back, take care of the kids. Um, and I would just come back so lit up. She was like, what is going on? And when she decided to make the shift, I was like, we need to get a babysitter. You need to be in this room. She sit, you know, she sits through her first 20 percenters meeting and she's like, oh, my fucking God, like. I get it. This is the place to be, you know, and I, I'm no longer scared of being successful. Mm. Like hearing and seeing what everybody's doing, what they've been through and had they done it. Like I can make this happen. You know, it's not just living with the guy who's done it. You know, it's holy shit. There's it's, you're not the only one like this is for real possible. And, um, like that was to me confirmation that we're moving in the right direction. Yeah. You know, my wife has always been on board for me, but watching her make that shift, uh, as a result of 20 percenters for herself, I'm like, babe, let's go fifth gear. Let's roll. And, um, you know, I had, I've always, since I signed on with this, the the subscription of the universe uh i've been journaling since i was 16 years old Mm. and i knew a long time ago what my wife was gonna look like she was gonna be tall she's gonna have dark hair light eyes she's gonna have her shit together she's gonna be uh confident within herself and at the same time while pursuing her own uh dreams and and success she was also going to be able to hold down a household and and be my rock and when i found nicole like that was it when we went uh when we connected and decided to make it a thing uh like i dropped everything like ghosted any other possibility that was out there and um i told her you know we did the long distance thing for a year, but I put a timeline on it. I'm like, look, I've got the gym. It's not going anywhere for at least another three years. So you're going to have to move here. Number one. Number two, if you're not ready to start a family immediately after saying I do, we might as well just be friends, you know, cause this is the phase of life I'm in. And, uh, she was like, Holy shit. I didn't know they made dudes <laughs> like you. And, uh, um, and we've been rocking ever since, man. 
It's been beautiful. We got two beautiful children. My son is three. He just started pre-K. Tristan and my daughter is one. Uh, Cameron and, uh, you know, happy, healthy, you know, and it's, it's incredible, man. Yeah, I had to get a new number when my <laughs> wife and I got married. I, rem- <laughs> I, I, I truly remember this, man. I, I mean, she's my high school sweetheart. Mm. Um, I was her first, uh, she was my second, and this is a man show, so I'm gonna tell this story. Uh, I remember being uh, JV football sophomore year, and I was one of the starting offensive guys. Is uh, one of the only virgins besides, you know, the super <laughs> religious guy and the, mm-hmm. you know the nerdy guy. Right, right. And my buddies were just like pushing it and pushing it, and I was talking to this girl at the time, mm-hmm. which was is now my wife, and and we were at a party, and uh, they were like, "Hey, there's the girl," and she was primed because she wanted to take my virginity, and they throw me in the bathroom, and. You know, that's how I lost my virginity. A month later, my girlfriend and I start to have a real relationship, mm-hmm. and, and she's my second. To this day, we say we were our firsts. Right? <laughs> she knows the story about the bathroom, and she's not very excited about it. But I remember being super single for three or four years because mm-hmm. we went on our own path for yeah. a while, and and then we got back together. By the grace of God, she uh, she throws a drink in my face, August 2015, and in January 2016, we rekindled the fire. Mm. But I remember, you know, between January and May when we got married, I'm living in between Hawaii and California where she's living, and my phone is just stressing me out. Mm. Right? You get people texting you, you get girls who want to hang out, and I, that was like the shift in that moment to mm-hmm. get me now here was like, I got to get a new number. Yeah. And then boom, you, you start to make those steps because mm-hmm. you're certain with who you're going to be in the future. Yeah. The future is important. A lot of people question, you know, fathers of the future. Well, I'm, 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 I'm older, I'm younger. What does that mean exactly? Mm-hmm. You said it exactly a few minutes ago. You, you, your wife said it, right? I've never met anybody like you. Mm-hmm. To be an, a present, active, and engaged father today to have your mind, your body, and your spirit, to have your business, to have your family, to have all of those things is truly the purpose and intent behind being a father of the future. Mm. What else goes into that that you do that's above and beyond standard operating procedure <laughs> in your family's life? You know, we, we make it a point to uh, be raw in, in front of our kids. Um, you know, to let, uh, emotion flow where, wherever it needs to go, you know? So I don't, as a man, I don't not cry in front of my kids. Um, you know, if my wife and I need to have a discussion, uh, you know, we just have it, you know, we're, we allow our kids to witness the friction that is inherent to a relationship. Like it's not always happy. It's not always uh, um, good times, you know what I mean? But when uh, in a rough patch or whatever, when things need to be said, we are not a, we don't, we're not, we don't shelter our kids from that. Um, And at the same time, uh, one of my, defining criteria in uh what i want in a woman is uh 
you know, for better or for worse, this is my own judgment, but I, she needs to know what love looks like. And in meeting her parents, I know that she knows what love looks like. You know, I, I had, thankfully I had both my parents until my dad passed in 2007. They were together for 28 years. Um, so I know what love looks like. We know what communication is. We know that it's okay to, um, you know, uh, have a shouting match from time to time. Like all it is, is an expression. Little yeah. collision is healthy yeah. for, for, and, uh, the one thing I guess to, to answer your question more directly, the thing that I do above and beyond is I'm not scared of, I love you. Uh, the first thing I say when I wake up in the morning is I love you. The last thing I say before I turn over and go to bed at night is I love you. Um, uh, sidebar, my, when my dad passed the, <clears throat> the, the night, the night he passed, the last thing I got to say to him was, mm. I love you. And I'm forever thankful that I got to do that. And, uh, so now, you know, the, the next moment leaving this office, you know, I, I'm not in control of what happens. Yeah. Um, so I'm just a fervent believer in practice that, nothing should be left unsaid. And it doesn't matter where Nicole and I are in a relationship, in our relationship, whether she's madly in love with me in one moment or hates my guts in the next, we are not allowed, we do not allow ourselves to go to bed without saying I love you because tomorrow is promised to nobody. It's powerful. Yeah. Is that how your dad was with you? That's the way we were raised. We never got off the phone without yeah. saying I love you first. Yeah. And it was just by happenstance, the whole I love you thing the night that he passed. But it's it's a moment that, you know, as we like to play mind games with ourselves, as I replay the scenario, how different my life would be had that been, had I not had the opportunity to say it. You know, yeah, there's and, a lot of men that I work with <clears throat> along this journey and path of fatherhood that their father never said it. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a part of yeah. their growing up. Yeah. And because of that, they have a hard time saying mm -hmm. it as well. Yeah. No, my dad was a very hard man, but he was ne he, his love and affection for us was never questioned. And uh, it's powerful to think now it, you know, it goes beyond your, your father's life. Mm -hmm. Right. You're now looking at, you know, two generations later of love mm -hmm. that he yeah. started. What's one of the greatest lessons you carry with you on a daily basis that your father instilled with you? <sighs> Be present. Like we didn't have cell phones when I grew up, when I was growing up, but my dad was a private practice criminal defense attorney. So there were plenty of fucking distractions, you know, but he would go out of his way to remove himself from any of those potential distractions so that we could have all of his attention. Um, a perfect example is uh, Sunday mornings at IHOP. He would take me and my big brother and he would just tell us stories, you know, over breakfast. And um, it's one of the things that it's one of my most, my fondest cherished memories of uh, my dad <clears throat> were those moments and, uh, you know, my mom always talks about, it's funny, the, the 20% rule, uh, you know, she's like, she 
there's the joke that my dad had a lot of big fish stories, you know? I'm like, that's, that's what makes the story so fucking cool, yeah. you know? And, um, uh, the, the storytelling and, and, you know, he was very, he was not bashful about the life that he came from, the life that he led, uh, any of his trials and tribulations, any of his evolution as a man, he was very comfortable sharing that with us. Who he was as my dad was not who he was uh, during Vietnam or at any point prior. And he made that very clear that there's an evolution that takes place when you become a man. And my mom even says um, sometimes that my dad had no business being a father uh he but he knew how to raise men and that's uh very interesting you know it, it took me a long time to understand exactly what she meant you know yeah and it will continue to take a long time to to understand how you can then transfer that message to your own kids mm -hmm. you know is there anything your father did growing up that you look at now and go you know i'm not gonna do that in, oh yeah my own kids. yeah dude he loved to pay the ponies man he was a he was a really really bad gambler mm. you know and um uh um, a lot of my drive in what drove me to fitness was watching my dad not take care of himself. And a lot of what um, led to him passing was totally pre preventable. You know, uh, you know, he ate a lot of fast food. Um, he was a chain smoker, you know, but, you know, for, for all of those things that motivated me to take this career path, the one thing that he, while he, even though he wasn't take care of himself, he made sure that he took care of us. And the one thing that he left us with was how to be confident, productive men. So if nothing else, he took care of business. You mentioned journaling at 16 mm -hmm. and, and you're obviously very important. Academics, athletics are all very important. Uh, there's a sense of purpose that is a part of your life now. Mm -hmm. Was there ever a time in your life that it wasn't like this? Oh yeah, man. I got kicked out of the air force. Academy. Ah, there we go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I, it took me to very recently get right with that story. Yeah. And, and, um, because that's before, uh, a lot of personal growth and development took place that's where I would start my journey, right? When people ask me about my life, oh, well, I got kicked out of school, right? And that's that's what made, and there's so much more to it than that. But uh, in the context of your question, like I was lost, man. Like my uh, life path up to that point, like all roads, I was, I was killing it. You know, if you had asked me at 16 years old what I wanted to do, I wanted to play Division One football, I wanted to get a degree, and I wanted to be an officer in the military, right? I got a scholarship to the Air Force Academy. We played Notre Dame. We were number nine in the nation. They were number six. Wow. Uh, you know, I'm getting an Ivy League education, and I'm going to come out as a commissioned officer in the Air Force. I can't fucking lose. Mm. And uh, I cheated on a test. My roommate ran me up the flagpole mm. uh and as the chips would fall out uh they said you know you've violated uh the honor code you gotta go 
And <clears throat> I was like, well, fuck, where do I go from here? Um, so my, my parents had just, my mom had just taken her last duty assignment in San Antonio, Texas. So I came home, you know, with my tail between my legs and where I would expect going back to fatherhood really quick, where I would expect my dad to, you know, uh, be on my back about fucking up such a significant opportunity. This is where I experienced a real shift in like what it means to be a dad instead of berating me and expressing how disappointed he was in me. He said, son, it is what it is. We're going to figure this thing out. Like the, what I was expecting his reaction to be, I got the exact opposite and it completely knocked me off my feet. Um, and it's uh, really what you needed. Yeah. No, yeah. I, did, I didn't need yeah. an ass chewing, yeah. you know, like I'm, my mind space is fucked up as it is. The last thing I need is that, you know, and there are plenty of other situations that, you know, in my teenage years, I probably would have, I probably saw just as significant, really not where I did get the ass chewing, you know, and, um, you know, so the, the, the intuition of a present parent really shown my mom was mom. You know what I mean? Like my baby boy, come home. I got you. And you know, m but my dad was very much in that same light and it just, it tripped me out. Um, and that's, that is also a moment between father and son that I carry with me in raising my own kids. Um, but yeah, dude, I, uh, uh, I work, I worked at Dairy Queen for two weeks. And I was like, this is rock bottom, man. <laughs> like, fuck me. I blew it. Um, was it a teal shirt or is it a purple shirt? What it was, color, it was, uh, what color is that it shirt? was, it was, it was checkered black and gray. Yeah. And you have to uh, wear the visor. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this is, this is absolutely terrible, man. And what was even more humbling, uh, you can't have a car at the Air Force Academy. So I got rid of my, the car I had in high school. And my little brother, who's still in high school, had to commute me back and forth to Dairy Queen. And I was just like, I got to get out of this. So my coaches at the academy, I'm, every, I'm so thankful for them. They called their network. And I took a, a scholarship sight unseen to Texas A&M Commerce, which is about 75 miles east of Dallas. There's more cows than people. And, uh, you know, um, my mom drops me off. And I was like, I need to make, I, it was like the most negative motivation ever. And that, that showed up in, uh, you know, when I blew out my knee, which made an already shitty situation worse. Um, and, uh, but it also, I also use it in, as productive motivation because where I was taking 18 to 21 hours uh, and playing ball at the academy, that was my normal. I had to get waivers signed by my coaches and academic advisor that I could handle a load like that at Commerce. and uh, But they let me. So I accomplished a four-year degree in three years in a summer. Um, and I didn't play my fifth year. Uh, I just, I just had to get out. 
And it took a lot of, there was probably a, a four year window in there up to the Marine Corps. The, the Marine Corps allowed me to close the chapter on the military. Um, but there was, there was that four year gap in between 2004 and 2008 where I was just lost, man. You know, just didn't have my shit together. And, and not, it, even though I was, a, a, I was making progress, I wasn't, I wasn't thriving. And, uh, um, it wasn't until a buddy of mine, uh, invited me to watch his alma mater play soccer against a, uh, Southern Methodist that I stood for the national anthem. Uh, not that I, I never not stood. It's the first time I'd been present for the national anthem. Uh, I was always like in a locker room situation when it played after I left the academy. As and, a fan, you mean you're in the stands yeah, for the first yeah. time. How, how old are you? Uh, 22, no, 23, 23, uh, the fall of 2007. And, uh, I was like, Oh, I still have this itch that needs to be scratched. So the next morning I fill it out questionnaires for the army, the air force and the Marine Corps. And, uh, in typical Marine Corps fashion, they're the first ones to call me back and the rest is history. And you're in for four years and then mm-hmm. you go into the reserve. But during those four years, yep. where did you reestablish yourself with discipline and integrity and education and athletics and ultimately, you know, driving you to that next phase of your journey? You know where I found it? It wasn't necessarily in the Marine Corps. The The mentorship, the leadership piece of being Marine is inherent to the culture. But they gave me the opportunity once I uh, got out to my duty station in Yuma uh, to volunteer and, and, and coach high school football. Mm. And at that point, the narrative in my mind was maybe I can impact these kids so they don't fuck it up like I did. The, the payback was the pickup. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, I coached a lot of kids uh, that got to the next level. And, you know, social media is really cool because I've got to follow their journey through college and out into the real world, and they're doing amazing things. And, you know, that was really my 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 moment like if i can because I, I know the guys i play with that didn't have dads or you know were in really fucked up home situations um i'm like well if i can be an outlet if i can be a positive influence on this kid who would otherwise uh you know go down a dark path i want to do that and i was in a situation with my uh my unit my chain of command where they let me do that and I've, i'm extremely fortunate for it what kind of loss did you face during your tenure in the Marine Corps? Good friends, roommates? Yeah, so let's see. I got a buddy of mine. And, mm. and let, I'm sorry, Michael. Let, yeah. let me rephrase that, man. That's a pretty shitty question. <laughs> in, in, in your four-year time mm-hmm. period, um, you obviously lost uh, countless friends and, and people that you knew of. Looking back on that time, do you reflect on now your life and how you're able to serve a greater purpose in memory for mm. some of those men? I, I, I'll give it to you like this, because I had a, a moment with my commanding officer while on deployment. I was uh, studying for my CSCS uh, off shift. I was a UAV mission commander, so I coordinated airspace uh, and provided intelligence, surveillance and reconnaissance for troops on the ground. Um, and, uh, while off shift, I was studying for my CSCS and certified strength and conditioning specialist. And my CO comes in and he sees the textbook annotated, 
uh, you know, highlighted and all that good stuff. And he was like, what do you, what, what are you doing? And I was like, well, I'm, I'm studying for this, this certification. He was like, and I had drawn a schematic of the, the layout of the gym that I was eventually going to build. Right. And, uh, I which is not uncommon for us fitness guys, yeah. man. I drew so many maps, <laughs> right. This is where the kettlebells right. will go. This is where the yeah. treads will go. And, um, he was like, what do you, what do you want to do with your life? And, uh, I was like, well, you know, eventually I want to open a gym, you know? And I just, I said it that matter of factly. And he's like, you're doing a lot of leg work for something that you kind of want to do. Um, and this is where mentorship I feel is so critical because here's an opportunity for somebody to acknowledge what I don't see in myself and put it in front of me. And he put it and he, uh, Lieutenant Colonel Barranco said these exact words. Don't renew your contract. You're going to miss your window. If that's what you really want to do, you need to leave the uniform behind and this is what I see for you. You will have a greater impact for and on the Marine Corps after you get out than you ever would if you did 20 years. Mm. And that is, that's in the back of my mind all the time. Yeah. And how many, I've had a number of kids uh, come through my gym that, or that I've coached in high school that have gone on to become Marines because I was a Marine. Um, there are Marines that are now pursuing higher education and entrepreneurship because I was a Marine, because I am a Marine, uh, that again, going back to that cast the widest net possible analogy, I I'm now able to do that for the Marine Corps, even though I'm not actively serving anymore. So we got to talk a little bit about this, uh, real and raw, part of American society these days. And, you know, I've been kind of waiting to have this conversation with the right fit uh, over the last couple of weeks of doing uh, a ton of interviews to kind of, you know, get this thing rolling. Mm -hmm. um, the conversation around uh, guns mm -hmm. and especially here in America. Yeah. And I say this to you on the other side of a desk where I'm, I'm currently carrying and mm -hmm. uh, I'm, I'm open about it. Yeah. I stay strapped. Sure. And, and not because, you know, I grew up in hip hop California, <laughs> uh, but because I want to even the playing field and sure. not in a negative or dark way, right. but simply to protect myself and my family. Sure. Yep. We just saw another mass shooting. Mm -hmm. It's not slowing down. Yeah. My wife is in the retail shopping space okay. last night at 930. She gets a phone call from somebody in one of her 10 shopping centers nationally that says, hey, we have a situation of the 14 shopping centers, and I'm not going to name names, mm -hmm. uh, 12 of them have had threats in, in the past 24 hours. Jesus. And they have to take it to the next level of because course, it's absolutely. not like it used to be yeah. where you know anthrax came in an envelope yeah. and there was powder and you're like, all right, evacuate the building. Right. This shit is real yeah. and it's scary. Sure. Without getting into politics, yeah, because that's where everybody wants to go. Yeah. And I'm all about look, if you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. Yeah. I would give up this gun and I would give up every gun I own mm -hmm. if everybody did. Sure. But we know it doesn't work like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they say, well, if you if you stop uh fully automatic weapons yeah. and, and, and you, you stop that piece of it, mm -hmm. but bad guys will still find a way. Oh yeah. I mean 
that's 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 why there's a black market yeah you know that's that's why uh, you know, moving away from guns during prohibition, alcohol is at an all time high, you know, like there's, um, that's the simple answer. Isn't the right answer, right? All of that is very surface level. It's like the obvious fix. Um, but I mean, truth be told, I have a, a Mossberg shotgun next to my bed, mm. you know, and uh case in point, <clears throat> a guy stole a truck. This is no bullshit. I'm not making this up. Uh, a guy stole a truck out in Glendale and uh, brought it over to Scottsdale and thank God for the cactus farm I no longer had. Fell asleep at the wheel, tweaked out, and almost ran that truck into my house. Mm-hmm. And thankfully, my family wasn't home, but you know, I was, I'm armed and prepared to defend my homestead in case of that you know, the impossible fucking scenario. Are you serious? Like a tweaker drives a truck into your house? Get out of here. Um, and uh, for that specific reason is why I have a gun in my house. Yeah. You know, I'm not anti-gun by any means. I don't I don't feel the necessity uh, to carry as you do. But at the same time, I don't disagree with your rationale either. Yeah. Um, I think that when it comes to issues like this, uh you know, it's, it's, it's a, it's gotta be a long-term systematic approach to disarm everybody. Mm. Uh, I truly believe only facilitates, uh, the bad people. Um, because now I know you don't have a weapon. Yeah. Right. And we can come down to throwing blows, right? Right. You want to take my shit? Let's, Mm -hmm. let's even it out. You may be bigger. Right. You may be stronger. You may have a baseball bat, but guess what? Earn it. Let's go. Yeah. Right. Um, but that's not how society works either. You know, like they, there aren't, you know, there aren't any more, people aren't in fist fights anymore. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, so I, I think that it's, it's the answer is bigger than that. And I don't have it, um, to be honest with you. I just know what I believe as, uh, a father and a, um, you know, with a, a family to protect. Yeah. And you know, that to me, that's all the justification needed yeah. to, to have a weapon in your home. Yeah. 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 I don't think not having it is the answer either. Right. And, and you often hear that and, and I don't debate and I don't argue. Yeah. Right. I knew once I kind of went deep into, you know, your biography that I could have this conversation with somebody who's not going to look at it from mm-hmm. a gun rights point of view, yeah. and who's not going to look at it from, you know, uh, an egotistical point sure. of view. Right. It's a reality in America. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's painfully scary mm-hmm. for us. Like, damn, that sucks. Right. Yeah. We can deal with that. We've dealt with shit. We mm-hmm. saw nine eleven happen. Right. But these kids, mm-hmm. and my son's 12 and my daughter's 11. And yeah. After football practice last night, it's my son and I. Mm-hmm. And he knows we have code word for certain situations because okay. I have trained him in a tactical way. Sure. I have no military experience, but uh, between my brother, between good friends, people I coached and trained in the mm-hmm. CrossFit space, yeah. I have so much respect and I've learned so much mm-hmm. from these men and women yep. on how to operate at a higher level. Yeah. And he says, dad, today was scary at school. I was in the outside at lunch mm-hmm. and it was such a prime place for a shooting. Killbox. 
my 12 year old yeah that's wild and i had to i had to, we stopped yeah and i said listen first of all you can't think like that fuck no you can't that's, be fearful that yeah right of a shooting because if you're going to school mm. in america right afraid that you're going to get killed yeah you're going to be stressing out about everything in the future right right yeah you can't live like that but nobody wants to have a sane conversation about mm -hmm. it yeah no I, th I think that there's there's something to be said with to about uh just raising your awareness and being conscious of potential compromising situations um and for example my wife and i went to uh the kevin hart show uh last year and as we're leaving did he make you turn your cell phone in oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. no no cell phones yeah and uh that's real yeah. and uh um as 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 the show's over uh i just i just want to wait for the stadium to clear out you know i i'm so hyper vigilant mm -hmm. that i don't like crowds mm -hmm. um it, it was part of um you know when i when i saw the 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 shrink after getting out you know as part of the uh my hypervigilance is one of the definitive criteria for ptsd yeah um but at the same time you know i don't in big crowds i don't walk side by side with my wife mm -hmm. i put her in front of me right and so i can see everything right and i don't lose her in the shuffle yeah um and uh you know, there's just there's just things about like the mass shooting scenario that people don't know. Like, don't run, get down, yeah, shit like that. You know, and and make your way to cover. You know, um, think things like that. That you know, God forbid you ever have to face a scenario like that. But there's there are things that can be done to mitigate your risk in in scenarios like that. And and for me, you know, going back to that whole I hate crowds thing, I just don't put myself in those situations. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sporting events are are tough. We'll mm. often just kind of take a look around and be like, man, this is uh, this is a little scary. Mm -hmm. But you, at the same time, you don't want to. You know, be fearful of, yeah, you can't, of the outside you can't, world. You can't not do it. You know, like if my kid wants to go to Disneyland, you know, we'll we'll go to Disneyland. You know, like that's you can't live a fearful life, but at yeah. the same time, you don't. You can you can take steps to uh, not be a victim. Yeah, and I th I think that that's the the more proactive approach is just educating ourselves on the the what if worst case scenario and just simply being prepared that that's i think that you know if i was to give you an uh an answer to what is the answer yeah. i think that's it it's just you know how do i put myself in the best position to not be a victim yeah This is a section we call shameless self-promotion, uh, as it was once uh, given to me through uh, some of the big dogs at CrossFit when I stood up for what I believed in, in terms of affiliate protection. And we now use it uh, mm -hmm. on a regular basis, man. This is your opportunity to tell us how people can find and search for you and also get involved locally here with CrossFit PHX and the 20 percenters. Absolutely. Uh, so you can find me at 
Coach Durs on Instagram. It's probably the easiest way via social to get a hold of me. You can find my fitness community at CrossFit PHX, and you can find the 20 percenters at 20 underscore percenters on Instagram. Uh, if you're interested in the fitness journey, come see us in my tribe at CrossFit PHX. If you're interested in anything above and beyond fitness, check out the 20 percenters podcast drops every Thursday. Um, and we have the, the conversation of the universe centered around health, wealth, relationships, and time. And if you want to take it one step further, uh, you can get my book inner circle, which is a condensed version of, uh, the 11 reoccurring themes in that journey that I've had in, uh, over the course of the last three and a half years in podcasting with, you know, amazing people of impact and influence and the principles that they apply to their daily practice. What are you reading right now? Uh, I just finished the compound effect. Hmm. Um, and, uh, I'm looking for, uh, my next book. Uh, I don't know if I'm, I'm ready intellectually to dive into, uh, my big toe, which Max, who does all the video on the, on the, he's the man behind the scenes, uh, making sure that my good side is the good, the side that you see all the time. Um, and, you know, he's also, uh, a manifester and, um, he's got really, really good, um, energy presence and the way he describes, uh, the, the conversation and in, in the narrative in my big toe really speaks to, that, that intuition piece and the, the ways of the universe. So that's probably what I'm going to dive into next. And your son came first, your daughter came second. Yeah. Same thing in my universe, Okay. which okay. I thought would be fantastic. But now they kind of, uh, you know, my, my daughter's sometimes tougher than uh, my, <laughs> my son is, which is fantastic. Sure, sure. Because like you, my wife is also um, an alpha. Mm. And, uh, you know, what happens when you get two alphas? You get two alpha kids, mm -hmm. but completely different. Sure. Have you started to notice already? Oh, yeah. 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 So my son is... Uh, very in tune with um, his emotion. He he wears he wears it on his sleeve. And uh, my daughter, even though she's only fifteen months old, I would describe she's our stoic. You know, she's just grounded and ultra observant. You know, she watches before she reacts. And uh, where my son is, you know, head down through the wall. And, um, so that, that's, that's the, the major difference between the two. And it's super interesting to watch it all unfold, you know, but they, they're, they're slowly but surely bypassing that whole, um, disinterest in each other and becoming more and more interested and playful with each other, which is also, also super cool to watch. And I think, uh, I believe that, uh, where you are right now, you can answer this question mm -hmm. without a problem. Uh, or a challenge, what do you feel your greatest weakness is right now in the moment that you're currently working on filling mm -hmm. the gap or know that you need to in the future? I'm scatterbrained, man. Mm. You know, I've, I've, Cre you mean creative? Yeah. 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 So I, I'm, I'm running a million miles an hour with the hair that I don't have on fire. It's <laughs> probably why I don't have any. Um, and, uh, putting systems and 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 adding people to my team to manage that chaos 
while I continue to build at a hundred miles an hour. Yeah. And yeah, nobody can do you like you. Right. And you can get other people to assist you on being you. <laughs> but when you have to step back to then do the work that, mm-hmm. you know, I've shot, uh, you're 10 in, mm-hmm. uh, you know, six days. Yeah. Because what do I know? Yeah. I know how to fucking attack yeah. and I know how to execute. Yep. You tell me to stop, to go back, <laughs> to make sure that the tagging and the keywords and it's... <laughs> <laughs> Right. Right. So there was a time in my career, you know, just a a year or two ago where I would attempt to do all the minutia Mm -hmm. and then I'd have no energy left. Yeah. Kills your productivity to do what I can do. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. scatterbrain to me is creative Mm -hmm. because nobody else can come up with where you're going, Mm -hmm. the vision. Sure. And like most entrepreneurs, um, alpha men, right. Mm -hmm. Fathers, like, of course you're going to be scattered. You got a three-year-old and you got a one-year-old. Yeah. How do we fix that? And I say we in this because dude, I'm pretty scattered too, man. Yeah, yeah. Right? Like, do we fix it or do we just continue to do us? No, man. I, I don't think, I, I think fixing is the is the wrong word. I think that uh, you can be uh, strategic in uh, uh, filling the gaps um, so that you can be the best you possible and really focus on driving the ship and getting to where you want to go. It doesn't, you do a disservice to your vision trying to do the things that you're not good at, that aren't in your wheelhouse, that aren't in your flow. It actually came to me last night at at 20 percenters as I was standing in the room after all the business had been taken care of and watching everybody help solve each other's problems. And as I stood in the room, I had this thought, this is me standing in my flow. Like this, this is it. And what I realized in that moment, it's not the money, it's not the stuff, it's it's not the it's not the fame, it's not the notoriety. We're not chasing any of that shit. When it comes down to it, what we're actually chasing is flow. And I'm in it now, right? So anything uh, that I add in terms of systems or uh, my team is so that my flow goes uninterrupted so that I can continue to create and and opportunity for myself uh, and also influence and impact for others. Well, check it out, man. We went... uh... An hour and 13 minutes, and you just titled this podcast, Standing in My Flow. <laughs> it's fucking beautiful, man. I want to take a moment, sir, yep. to pay my respects to you, to your mom, to your late father, and to all of our American military with a moment of silence. And before we do that, I just want to thank you for being here. I appreciate you for being real and being honest. And I not only wish the best for you, but I expect the best for you. My friend, Michael Anders, thank you for being here. I appreciate you, brother.
And the same goes for everybody here listening. I truly appreciate you guys for listening to this message. The only place on the internet and podcast where you can have a real raw conversation with other men who own the title of fathers and will for the rest of their lives. If you found value in this podcast, all I ask for you to do is just simply share, to subscribe, to do whatever you need to do as I'm still learning how this game works, but just share the message with as many people as you possibly can so that more fathers like Michael can wake up every single day with their purpose in front of them, knowing that the next step they take will not only serve their life, but their children's lives as well. Thank you for being here, Michael. I appreciate you, man.